I now have a three-hour message, so uh, <laughs> get comfy. It's a brief word this morning, but Christmas is a time of waiting. It is a time of waiting. Yes, it is. And as I was thinking of waiting this week, I was reminded when I was a kid. And every year we would go to Kings Island. Anybody Midwesterners out there, you can identify with that. And I remember as a kid, the big ride that came out when I was about 10 was the Beast. And I I believe it's like the largest wooden roller coaster of its day. I don't know if it still is, but I remember waiting in line to ride the beast. You know, you had to wait on the drive, you had to wait for a parking spot, wait to get in the door, and then wait in line. And you even had signs to tell you how to wait. Line jumping is not a spectator sport. But you had the menacing sounds, you had all the warnings of how exciting and dangerous this ride was going to be. And then finally, you snaked your way up through the line, you got to the the corral, and you got into your seat, and you went up, and you waited for that, that descent. And how exciting it was. I, I remember thinking you're going to actually hit the tunnel. And then you, your, your body's thrown against the side of the car, but then you had that just feeling of exhilaration. And when you got done, you said, you know what? It was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. And then As my kids got a little bit older and they started to go for the first time, I remember Kim and I taking them and being just as excited. And this time we could could kind of experience that through them and maybe the coaster wasn't quite as shiny, maybe the paint had faded a little bit, maybe it wasn't the deal that it once was, but it was still worth the wait. But then our kids got into like teenager land in high school, and we'd still take them, but it just wasn't the same. And we'd lost kind of our our tolerance for roller coasters, and what was once a lot of fun and really exciting was now a really expensive, nauseating, hot, long day. It was no longer worth the wait. In fact, I'll confess, I think the last time we took our kids, we dropped them off at the door. Don't judge. I think we went to Ikea. I don't know which was worse. But we dropped them off. But it was no longer worth the wait. Well, as we talk about Christmas and as we think about this time of expectation, this time of waiting, I want to ask you a question. It's a simple question this morning. When you think of Christmas, are you growing out of Christmas? Or are you growing into Christmas? Where are you this morning? Is Christmas something that I've been there, done that? Or is there joy and peace and hope and love? Well, we're going to take a few minutes this morning and we're going to look at that Christmas story. As Brad said, we've been in this Advent season looking at, waiting for 
a story. This story of peace and hope and joy to be fulfilled. And today on this morning of Christmas Eve, we celebrate the fulfillment of God's love. A love that the world then and the world today desperately needs. And it is this love that is at the heart of the Christmas story and that really will shape the way we see and experience the birth of Jesus. Let's take a look at this story briefly this morning. We've heard from Luke 2, and we know from the Gospels, we we know that Matthew, the tax collector and and disciple of Jesus, he he will trace Mary's family tree all the way back to Abraham. This is before Ancestry.com. Luke will trace Joseph's line all the way back to Adam. God's plan to rescue the world from the pain and brokenness of sin and death was being fulfilled in a real place, in the little town of Bethlehem, through real people. God himself would break through. The time had arrived. The long wait was over. Jesus, our Emmanuel, our God with us, had arrived. Not on a golden chariot, not as a triumphant military leader, but as a helpless child born in a manger. Only a few people could understand what God was doing on that first Silent night. Only a few would believe that God was actually breaking through. Only a few could see that this baby in the manger was what they had been waiting for. But while the people of God were waiting, God was working, even when they couldn't see it. Years later, a few of Jesus's Closest followers would spread the good news, the gospel throughout the Roman world. The Holy Spirit would inspire some of them to write down these stories and explain what it all means. Well, today I want to look at one short verse that I believe summarizes it all. I want to take you to 1 John 4.10. 1 John 4.10. This is John. This is the beloved disciple, and he writes this letter to the church, and he said, this is love. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for us, that we might live through him. At the core of this story is the love of God. John tells us that it is God in his very nature that is love. Sometimes when we think about God, we like to use big words. We talk about his omniscience. He's all-knowing. We talk about his omnipotence, and he's all-powerful. Sometimes we use short words like good and holy that really aren't so simple. However we put our words together to make sense of God, though, it is the breakthrough of his love into the mess of human history 
that matters most. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. He humbled himself and took on the very nature of a servant. God took on skin and flesh and bone. He became vulnerable, dependent, helpless. He cried. He needed fed. He learned to talk. He grew and developed. Our two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter, sitting obediently on the front row, (laughs) is learning about Jesus, how to both pray to Jesus and play with Jesus. Baby Jesus is tired and needs a nap. Baby Jesus needs a diaper change. Baby Jesus can even slide down the roof of the stable. I'm waiting for her to put baby Jesus in timeout. That will be a deep theological discussion for a later day. She even occasionally will share baby Jesus with her one-year-old sister. You see, she identifies with baby Jesus. She holds baby Jesus. One day, I pray she will come to know and love the real Jesus. I pray that she will trust him, that she will obey him, that she will discover in this Bible the real story of Jesus. I pray that she will believe, and even as she herself grows and develops and learns to ask bigger questions about him. I pray that she will trust him even as her knees are skinned and her heart is wounded. I pray that she will become dependent on Jesus. I pray that she will find life with Jesus to be an adventure. I pray that Jesus, the real Jesus, will be the answer to her questions. And I pray that she will allow him to hold her as she waits. I pray that she will see that Jesus' love for her is real. That his presence gives her peace and joy and hope. I pray that one day, even as she may grow out of the Christmas experience, she and her sister will grow into their relationship with Jesus. That is my prayer for them, and that is my prayer for everyone sitting here today. That your relationship with Jesus is something you will continue to grow into and that it will be real. Friends, we celebrate Christmas today not simply because Jesus came into the world in a manger in the stable in the little town of Bethlehem. We celebrate and we worship him because of what he's done, what he did for us on the cross. On the hill of Calvary in the city of Jerusalem, you see, we, we only remember the wood of the manger because of the wood of the cross.
and his love that he demonstrated and he gave to us. And we can put our trust in him. We can live with confidence in him because he rose from the dead, defeating the power of sin and death. As John tells us, God sent his son into the world so that we might have life. A life that he promises us. Yes, an eternal life. But also a life with him now. A life that is truly life. An abundant life. A full life. And the good news, friends, is we don't have to wait for heaven to experience that life with him. Whatever you're going through today, you can experience that life with him. What does that life look like? Three simple blessings and truths this morning. First of all, because God's love is real, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. Prophecy says you will call him Emmanuel. What does that mean? God is with us. Paul will tell us in that great chapter in Romans 8 that for those who are in Christ Jesus, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Jesus told his disciples before he would ascend, he would tell us to to go and make disciples, but he said, I will be with you. Always, even until the end of the age. And we can go all the way to the end of the story. We go all the way to the book of Revelation. We see this beautiful vision that there will be no more suffering, no more pain, that Jesus himself will wipe away every tear. He will be with us forever. Jesus is with us. He is with you. Jesus is always working because he loves you. He is always working. Paul tells us in his letter to Philippians that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. He is always working. Through the good times, the tough times, through the waiting, he is always working so that we might become more mature, that we might grow up and become more like him. And then finally, Jesus is worth it. He is worth it. He is worth the wait. Why? Simply because he is worthy. He is worthy. The perfect love, perfect community, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This love that he invites us into to experience is greater than anything this world has to offer. That's why Paul, when he would send these letters to the churches, he would pray so often, not so much that every circumstance would get better, that everything would run perfectly, but that we would come to know and experience the height and width and depth of his love for us, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. 
You see, Jesus is worth it because we can never exhaust the depth of his love. Well, some of you this morning, you, you hear of this love and you're like that kid riding on the roller coaster. It's joy and it's an experience and you're like, I can't wait to get back in line again and do it again. I've got the fast pass and I want to keep going and this is a, an experience of love and joy and peace. And my word to you is to continue to experience that and also share it. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus is born. But for others of you today, I know the reality that you may be wondering, that you're in a tough season right now, that in the wait there is pain, there's suffering, there's questions, there's doubt. I would invite you this morning, though, to to consider the love of Jesus, to take a look at the Gospels again. On your way out, I've got a prayer card for you. That can help you. If you want to stick around after the service by the baptistry, we'd be glad to pray for you. But wherever you are this morning, wherever you are in your journey, may we consider the love of Jesus. He is with us. He is always working. And he is worth it. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father... We come to you this morning, and we are so thankful that you are with us while we wait. We thank you that your love is real. We thank you that you love us so much that you gave your son for us, and that through him, we might have life. So Lord, we ask today as we, as we celebrate As we experience the joy of this season, fill our hearts and our minds with the true source of it all. And Lord, I pray especially for those this morning who are struggling to see you clearly. Open up hearts, open up minds to experience your love. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.